Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yeo Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7 Israel, Editor-in-Chief Jonathan Hessen. How are you doing? Praise the Lord, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Very excited for this program. We have changed a bit the, the format in, in order to involve the viewers and everybody back at home with some questions they had on the last week's program on what's going on in the Middle East. And I think this is a very, you know, good good thing. And we encourage we encourage all of you back at home to be involved with what we do. If you have questions, ask us. We want to get engaged with you. And we really want to share the truth in order that you can pray for the situation here in Israel, pray for the peace, the salvation of the people here. And you need to know what's going on in order to do that. So this is why we're here. So uh, I would like to encourage you to join me in prayer that God will lead us today in this program and be with us. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, thank you for everything. Thank you for blessing us and giving us the opportunity uh, to sit here in the studio and to share what's going on here in Israel, in the Middle East, with uh, everybody around the world. And please lead us to really share your truth and what you want us to share. We pray that you will touch the hearts of all of those who watch us with your words. Please... uh, We pray for your provision, for our programs here, for our team here, and for all of those who support us. We really pray that you will help us grow. We believe that everything that you have your hand in it should grow and bear fruit. So this is what we do here. And we pray that you really bless uh, Jonathan, bless his family, bless uh, myself and the rest of the team here um, behind the scenes. And be with us. Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Well, Jonathan, as I said, we had a few questions. I think that the first question was about the Lebanon-Israel agreement. They wanted some more clarification about do you stand with it or against this agreement? And you you prepared the, like an answer to that question, right? Uh, indeed. Uh, I'd like to actually start by highlighting that uh, everything that we do is donation-based. Yes. Uh, so it is important uh, if... Uh, you know, we have a group of family members, TV7 family, who support us on a regular basis and some not on a regular basis, some here and there. But this really goes a long way and we won't be able to do what we do here without the Lord guiding them to support us and enabling the various productions that we we make. So it's, it's truly... Uh, humbling to see that so many people do rise up uh, to this basic need. Um, nevertheless, uh, it is a very small margin of everybody who watches. So, uh, if uh, uh, you know uh, whoever watches us is blessed by what we do and, and is able to support, you know, as little as five dollars or, or whatever, yeah, uh, it goes a long way. And, and the more people. Uh, who join together to support uh, 
uh, doesn't matter how much, it will allow us to sustain our operations and to avoid deficits, uh, which then would uh, force us to limit the productions uh, because uh, indeed we are living in crucial times and we are thankful for uh, the grace of God that there is freedom of speech. Yes. Uh, so this is something we shouldn't take for granted. Uh, there is no freedom of, of speech in, in Russia and there's no uh, freedom of speech in a lot of other places around the world. Even in America, it's being challenged uh, and in Europe. So we need to keep that in mind that uh, we are thankful for the ability to uh, speak about what's truly happening and yes. providing insight based on informed um, uh, information, uh, informed data, and not just, you know, speculative. Uh, these are things that we thoroughly research and have uh, firsthand also experience with. So. This yeah, is something yeah, that I wanted to highlight. So just to say to those of you who want to support us, you can go to our website, www.tv7israelnews.com, and there is a donate tab on the top there. You'll have all the information and methods and ways to make a donation. Of course, uh, it will go a long way, and we thank you very much for that. Indeed. Okay. Now, uh, as to the various questions that were sent, actually, uh, last week, uh, I, I'd like to start with uh, the Australian decision uh, to uh, rescind, um, basically revoke uh, the previous government's recognition of Canberra uh, under uh, uh, Gordon. Um, but there was, you know, uh, a hype at the time in 2018 to, uh, to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. By Australia. Uh, so we're talking here about Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, Morrison, sorry. Uh, you know, when, when we're looking at the big picture, um, many countries have either recognized East Jerusalem or West Jerusalem, uh, either in favor of the Palestinians and West Jerusalem in favor of Israel. The first country to recognize Israel's uh, legitimate, you know, uh, sovereignty over uh, the unified Jerusalem is, of course, the United States. Mm -hmm. But uh, while only a few countries followed, uh, we saw that suddenly Russia responded. Uh, and Russia was the first, actually, to recognize West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So that was then followed by um, Prime Minister Morrison at the time, uh, who uh, recognized also West Jerusalem. He initially also promised to relocate the, the Australian embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, he didn't go through with that. Uh, but uh, mm -hmm. nevertheless, it, you know, uh, this change now since May, there's a new uh, left wing, um, you know, clearly left wing government in Australia, uh, which is less supportive of Israel. And, and we see that. Um, and when they came out with that decision, it was based actually on a report in The Guardian that questioned uh, Israel's uh, legitimacy and Australia's legitimacy in, in this uh, aspect. Um, the government immediately decided, OK, we're going to revoke uh, or rescind that position. Uh, Israel reacted vigorously. It reprimanded, actually um, summoned the ambassador here in Israel. It reprimanded it. Uh, it was very critical of the Australian government uh, currently. Uh, of Abilene, and, and ultimately, um, the reason it was so vigorous because it was very worried that Australia, the next step, uh, and there's still concerns about this, that the next step of the Australian government would be to recognize uh, 
uh, a Palestinian state. Mm -hmm. So we need to keep that in mind that uh, when vigorous responses take place, uh, usually there is a reason for that. And this was the Israeli concern uh, or is the Israeli concern. So we need to pray and I encourage uh, our um, brothers and sisters in Australia, send um, you know your representatives in, in parliament, uh, your concerns. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we need to make our voices heard within democratic societies, even though uh, obviously there is uh, always doubt about uh, uh, the genuine representation of the public in the, uh, in the system. Uh, nevertheless, when we make ourselves heard, uh, it's not to the detriment. There is, it makes an effect, yeah. There is uh, truly a reason for us to do that. So that's just my personal uh, mm -hmm. encouragement. That's number one. Number two, um, there were indeed questions about uh, last week's episode with regard to the delineation uh, of the maritime boundary between Israel and Lebanon. Uh, this agreement ultimately um, has been favorable to the Lebanese elite. To mm -hmm. the Lebanese elite, to Hezbollah, that's my opinion. Again, there are other opinions. There are mm -hmm. pros and cons to this, as we said last week. Uh, nevertheless, I, I, you know, uh, when we're talking about uh, this specific agreement, and after going through it and studying it and uh, by saying studying it, I went every step of uh, the, the document and communicated with lawyers and communicated with uh, uh, various generals whom I'm in regular contact with and uh, people from the intelligence community mm -hmm. and trying to see the pros and cons to this in the most objective manner. Uh, my understanding is that Israel uh, basically... Uh, decided to forego on its territorial claims. We're talking about not physical territory in you know in on land, but we're sea, talking sea about territory, yeah. territorials, uh, uh, maritime um, territory of roughly 840 uh, square nautical miles uh, within the the extension. So it's in the EEZ, the exclusive economic zone where uh, usually you have economic claims rather yeah. than physical, territorial, sovereign claims. So when uh, we're looking at this broader picture, Israel basically said, okay, we want, uh, this document provides us um, immediate security guarantees and stability to uh, develop the Karish, even though this is a contradictory uh, statement, the Karish offshore gas reservoir um, because uh, they said they would develop that regardless. Yes. You know, and then there is the Kana gas reservoir, uh, which nobody knows if this offshore reservoir actually has gas in it or not. We saw in uh, the Egyptian case, the Afodita one, uh, where they found significant uh, offshore, uh, uh, significant offshore deposit and then they went to the second Afodita 2 where they started drilling and after seismic uh, evaluations and so on and so forth they found out that even though both had the same characteristic uh, characteristics exactly uh, number two was empty it was a dry yeah. gas uh, deposit so uh, 
we need to keep that in mind. What's going to happen when the Lebanese uh, drill there? Okay, and when I say the Lebanese, obviously the French. Uh, Total Energies, which has won the tender, if they're going to drill there and find nothing, will this agreement still be upheld by the Lebanese, by Hezbollah? Will this agreement be upheld by Hezbollah regardless? Yeah. Uh, up until now, good questions, definitely. The government in Lebanon has been unable, and this is a caretaker government because there is no government in Lebanon, they've failed time and again to establish mm-hmm. a government uh, because of too many divisions within Lebanon, um, and they failed to convince the uh, International Monetary Fund, or the IMF, Mm -hmm. uh, to bail Lebanon out. It is on a brink of economic collapse. And why is that? The reason for that is uh, reform, demanded reform by the IMF to root out corruption and to make sure that there is... uh, transparency in uh, in Lebanon. Now, all of that the Lebanese have failed in. Yeah, I see. The biggest opponent of reform is Hezbollah. Obviously, it thrives on uh, the Lebanese corruption because it allows it to basically leech upon yes. the Lebanese uh, state and dry it from funds because Iran cannot, under the uh, crippling sanctions of the United States, is not able to fund Hezbollah uh, to accommodate all of its needs. Okay? I see. So uh, Hezbollah currently controls the government uh, basically through alliances, but directly its members, its political affiliate, controls the two most crucial ministries in Lebanon, including the health ministry, which has the biggest fund in mm-hmm. Lebanon usually, and the communications ministry. So all communications in and out of Lebanon go through Hezbollah. Hezbollah. So we need to keep that also in mind. Also the transportation ministry. So there is also, uh, they had control of the port of Lebanon and other uh, places before it got exploded. Uh, So we need to keep that in mind. There is vast corruption. Now, if it fails to um, advance reform in order to get bailed out by the IMF, Will it, you know, um, not be corrupt when it comes to its offshore gas reservoirs where there is no transparency whatsoever? Yeah, and it's a deal with Israel. Indeed. So, uh, you know, in, in the short term, it does provide certain guarantees. There is the the Kava Mitzofim, we call it in Hebrew. It's the line of uh, uh, floating, Lo- floaters. Oh, yeah. It is basically a, a virtual line where Israel... Uh, has maintained its military presence, you know, its naval presence in order to, uh, A, secure that no uh, incapacitated Israeli vessels will drift into Lebanese territorial waters and uh, that there won't be now penetrations by Hezbollah or other malign actors uh, from Lebanon into Israel. So uh, Israel would have maintained that presence regardless, you know. The bottom line is the agreement within its um, overt capacity, the way we read this agreement, in my opinion, it's terrible. Um, But there are American security guarantees. What are they? This is classified. American security guarantees could (coughs) vary so broadly, and speculation is 
that uh, America provided guarantees to Israel by the sale of weaponry, sophisticated weaponry, um, from a strategic level, okay, yes. that is able to provide Israel a leap in its qualitative edge versus its arch enemy, the Islamic Republic of Iran. This is the only scenario. And again, this is based on my broader understanding of the system and how people think uh, who are currently in power. Um, they would not agree for something else except for something of this magnitude to agree to an agreement that does not really live up yeah. to demands of roughly a decade. So again, uh, this is uh, my perspective of this. I do not know what are in those um, secret clauses. Uh, nobody knows except for uh, the, the inner circles. So, uh, you know, this on the one hand provides probably Israel something uh, that would guarantee its uh, qualitative edge versus Iran mm -hmm. at, the expect, uh, at the expense of medium to long term conflagration with Hezbollah. When it's going to happen, nobody knows. I see. Thank you. Well, that was uh, very interesting and clear. I think up to, uh, we should go to the next uh, question, which was, why is Israel not sending Iron Dome and un other you know, defense systems to aid Ukraine in the war against Russia? Indeed. Well, Ukraine sent once again an official request from Israel. Um, on the same day, Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gantz actually canceled his phone call with their Ukrainian defense minister. Um, instead, there was a briefing to European Union uh, member states uh, ambassadors here in Israel, mm -hmm. during which he said, look, for operational reasons, from a regional perspective, but also from a global one, Israel cannot provide Ukraine with sophisticated weaponry by the way, the Americans also don't permit Israel to do so. Mm -hmm. All of those systems are joint U.S.-Israel ventures. So uh, we need to put things in perspective here also. Moreover, in order to deploy, let's say, the Iron Dome, even though the Iron Dome doesn't help against those missiles which we see uh, mm -hmm. coming from Russia, uh, they could help against the drones, uh, the Iranian drones, that is. But... In order to deploy such systems, mm -hmm. to ensure that the Russians don't lay their hands upon those uh, systems or anybody um, beyond that, okay, yeah. they're within all-out war. Uh, usually criminal organizations have also vested interests in trying to acquire sophisticated technology that is not on the market and that is worth billions of dollars. Okay, so in yeah. order to ensure that nobody lays their hands on those technologies, Israel would have to physically deploy its own troops to defend their own technologies. To defend their own technologies. Now, let's say that the Russians attack that system, which would then alter the course of this war because uh, 93, 94% of all incoming missiles would be intercepted. If we do the multi-layer uh, systems, yeah. okay, we put the Aero 3, the David Sling, the Iron Dome, the um, electronic systems in that also intercept, you know, all kind of uh, aerial systems. If we put all of this together and put it in Ukraine, yes, Ukraine may win the war a lot rapidly. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But this would basically deploy the entire Israeli military into Ukraine in order to defend the system. It's not realistic. Yeah, okay. plus it will drag Israel into direct confrontation or war with the Russia. It would launch a right? full-scale war with mm-hmm. Russia. Uh, the aerial systems uh, of Russia, including the S-400 and the electronic systems that were integrated into its defensive uh, operations in Syria, uh, would be activated at full scale against Israel, uh, and that would hamper Israel's freedom of operation in Syria and elsewhere. Uh, that, this is not something that Israel wants to deal with. It can deal with this, and it can pose significant... Uh, currently, the Russians are not uh, a, a real threat to Israel and Syria. People need to understand this. Because they're not deployed enough there? Uh, it's truth? not that they're only not deployed enough there. They're... Uh, There are variables that we need to um, consider in order to view a credible threat. It could hurt Israel. It could not threaten Israel from a strategic level. Uh, So Israel is able to uproot Russia physically from Syria. There is no interest to do so. We do not want war with uh, the Russian bear, regardless of how meager and anorexic it might be at this stage. In Israel's perspective, we need to maintain a certain degree of realpolitik to understand that, okay, we need to protect our own interests first Mm -hmm. and only then um, come to the aid of our friends. Nevertheless, Defense Minister Gantz did note, however, that Israel is willing to provide Ukraine, and it's currently reviewing this, So, okay. but it, it's inclined to be able to do so uh, with early warning systems that would then provide uh, the home front in Ukraine, the civilian populated areas, with uh, ample alert before incoming attacks that then would allow them to find their, themselves in uh, defensive Shelter. areas, yes. you know, shelters, bomb shelters. That, and such. That's, that's a very good system. I mean, for me, growing up here and living here in Jerusalem, we hear these uh, sirens and warning alarms whenever we, there is a confrontation with Gaza. Indeed. And that gives us some time to find shelter. So Correct. that's uh, really helpful. Correct. Okay. So uh, basically, the answer is no. Uh, by the way, I don't see the Americans or the Europeans deploying Patriots or THAAD missiles in Ukraine. Um, obviously, the Ukrainians are in dire need of those kind of systems. Uh-huh. But uh, neither Europe nor the United States nor Israel can provide those systems. And uh, to be quite frank, the the shoulder-propelled systems that the Ukrainians uh, have received from the Americans, from the British, uh, the British systems are actually more qualitative from this perspective really? than the Stinger. Okay. Um, they are hampering Russia's freedom of uh, aerial operations in, in Ukraine, um, basically uh, limiting those quite significantly. There's been roughly between 34 to 35 uh, 3,000 sorties by the Ukrainian, uh, by the Russian Air Force. Uh, nevertheless, they are doing so from a distance. So it's quite interesting to see the Israeli Air Force is studying this because this is a whole new ball game when we're talking about aerial superiority, mm-hmm. where the Russians are failing to ensure their aerial superiority despite 
having more sophisticated tools than the Ukrainians from this perspective. Interesting. Okay, very, very interesting. So do you think that this war will keep on going for, for a long time? Do you have maybe an estimate? Uh, you know, I'm not a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not know. Um, indications uh, prove that it, it will go for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in those kind of wars, you know, everybody knows that you know how to, you enter the war, you never know how you exit it. Yeah, saying that, do you think that Russia will, uh, will start implementing nuclear capabilities into this war? Well, we've uh, received this question as well. Yeah. Um, strategic nukes, absolutely not. Okay. Um, and also, you know, logically driven, it doesn't make sense for Russia to... to Uh, use tactical nukes. Just to explain, strategic nukes are a bigger explosion than tactical nukes that are smaller. A strategic nuke wipes out an entire city. Okay. Okay. A tactical nuke uh, can be utilized in the battlefield to render certain areas. Like a mountain, uh, uh, base. Well, actually, uh, if you bomb a valley with a tactical nuke, Uh, there will be radiation in that valley, so the enemy forces won't be able to flank you from that area. I see. For instance, I just see one of the mm-hmm. tactics. Uh, you would be able to wipe out an entire brigade or an entire battalion. There are plenty of conventional weapons that provide for the same results. Um, if Russia utilizes tactical nukes, this would start an arms race, a nuclear arms race, You'll suddenly see Germany, uh, uh, you know, uh, Japan, South Korea, all those countries that have um, basically coverage or guarantees, umbrella guarantees. Uh, ironically, Ukraine has umbrella guarantees from the United States and Russia, uh, as well as uh, uh, Italy and, and other countries about um, nuclear matters. But... You know, guarantees don't mean much these days. Exactly. And, and they need to be able to f- defend themselves by themselves and to work tirelessly mm-hmm. to ensure that their qualitative edge permits them to defend their people. Yeah, Because definitely. that is uh, the focus of armed forces, ultimately. And that's what Israel is always focused on since its establishment, to be able to defend ourselves by ourselves because we need to be capable... To trust our own. That is the reason we have in Israel a robust uh, defense industry that uh, allows uh, Israel to have those qualitative weapons that then would defend the people. Uh, honestly, uh, I remember when the Iron Dome came, uh, the deliberations about yeah. the Iron Dome and the whole process until it was ratified. Nobody wanted it. Really? Everybody thought that the best defense is a good offense. Nobody thought about, uh, you know, the surface-to-air missiles as a good missile, you know, interceptor. Yeah. So conceptions are changing. And uh, for defensive purposes, we need to keep uh, in mind that um, our true defender and only defender is only God. Yeah. Uh, man-made yeah. systems can only provide you that much. Definitely. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for today. Pleasure. And thank you to all of our extended family. Please pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for all these topics, for Ukraine, for Australia. Pray for your leaders. And we'll see you next time for another episode 
of Editor's Note. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.